This is chapter 20 of Percy Jackson, The Sea of Monsters. The fleece works its magic too well. That afternoon was one of the happiest I'd ever spent at camp, which maybe goes to show you never know when your world's about to be rocked to pieces. Grover announced that he'd been able to spend the rest of summer with us before resuming his quest for Pan. His bosses at the Council of Cloven Elders were so impressed that he hadn't gotten himself killed and had cleared the way for future searchers that they granted him a two-month furlong and a new set of reed pipes. The only bad news? Grover insisted on playing those pipes all afternoon long. His musical st skills hadn't improved much. He played YMCA and the strawberry plants started to go crazy, wrapping around our feet like they were trying to strangle us. I guess I couldn't blame them. Grover told me he could dissolve the empathy link between us now that we were face to face, but I told him to just keep it if that was okay with him. He put down his reed pipes and stared at me. But if I get in trouble again, you'll be in danger, Percy. You could die. If you get in trouble again, I want to know about it. I'll come to help you again, G-Man. I wouldn't have it any other way. In the end, he agreed not to break the link. He went back to playing YMCA for the strawberry plants. I didn't need an empathy link with the plants to know how they felt about it. Later on during archery class, Chiron pulled me aside and told me that he fixed my problem with Meriwether Prep. The school no longer blamed me for destroying their gymnasium. The police were no longer looking for me. How did you manage that? I asked. Chiron's eyes twinkled. I merely suggested that the mortals had seen something different on that day. A furnace explosion that was not your fault. You just said that and they bought it? I manipulated the mist. Someday when you are ready, I will show you how it's done. You mean I can go back to Meriwether next year? Chiron raised his eyebrows. Oh no, they still have expelled you. Your headmaster, Mr. Bonsai, said you had, how did he put it? Ungroovy karma that disrupted the school's educational aura. You're not in any legal trouble, which was a relief to your mother though. Oh, and speaking of your mother, he unclipped his cell phone from his quiver and handed it to me. It's high time you called her. The worst part was the beginning. The Percy Jackson, what were you thinking? Do you have any idea how worried I was? Sneaking off to camp without permission, going on dangerous quests, and scaring me half to death part? But finally she paused to catch her breath. Oh, I'm just glad you're safe. That's the great thing about my mom. She's no good at staying angry. She tries, but it isn't her nature. I'm sorry, mom, I told her. I won't scare you again. Don't promise me that, Percy. You know very well it'll only get worse. She tried to sound casual about it, but I could tell she was pretty shaken up. I wanted to say something that made her feel better, but I knew she was right. Being half-blood, I would always be doing things that scared her. And as I got older, the dangers would just get greater. I could come home for a while, I offered. No, 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 no. Stay at camp. Train. Do what you need to do. But you will come home for the next school year? Yeah, of course. Uh, if there's any schools that will take me. Oh, we'll find something, dear, my mother sighed. Some place where they don't know us yet. As for Tyson, the campers treated him like a hero. I would have been happy to have him as my cabin mate forever. But that evening, as we were sitting on a sand dune overlooking the Long Island Sound, he made an announcement that completely took me by surprise. Dream came from Daddy last night. He said, he wants me to visit. I wondered if he was kidding, but Tyson didn't know how to kid. Poseidon sent you a dream message? Tyson nodded. Wants me to go to underwater for the rest of the summer. Learn how to work at Cyclops' forges. He called an intern, an intern... An internship? Yes! I'll let that sink in. I'll admit, I felt a little jealous. 
Poseidon had never invited me underwater, but then I thought, Tyson was going, just like that. When would you leave? I asked. Now. Now. Like, now, now? Now. I stared at the waves of the Long Island Sound. The water was glistening red in the sunset. I'm happy for you, big guy. I managed. Seriously. Hard to leave my new brother, he said with a tremble in his voice. But, but I want to make things. Weapons for the camp. You will need them. Unfortunately, I knew he was right. The fleas hadn't solved all the camp's problems. Luke was still out there, gathering an army aboard the Princess Andromeda. Kronos was still reforming in his golden coffin. Eventually, we would have to fight them. You'll make the best weapons ever, I told Tyson. I held up my watch proudly. I bet they'll tell good time, too. Tyson sniffed. Brothers help each other. You are my brother, I said. No doubt about it. He patted me on my back so hard he almost knocked me down in the sand dune. Then he wiped a tear from his cheek and stood up. Use the shield well. I will, big guy. Save your life someday. The way he said it, so matter of a fact. I wondered if that Cyclops eye of his could see into the future. He headed down the beach and whistled. Rainbow, the hippocampus, burst out of the waves. I watched the two of them ride off together into the realm of Poseidon. Once they were gone, I looked up, down at my new wristwatch. I pressed the button and the shield spiraled into full size. Hammered into the bronze were pictures of ancient Greek style, scenes from our adventure this summer. There was Annabeth slaying the Lestragian dodgeball player. Me fighting the bronze bulls at Camp Half-Blood Hill. Tyson riding rainbow towards the Princess Andromeda. The CSS Birmingham blasting its cannons at Charbidus. I ran my hand down the picture of Tyson, battling the Hydra as he held aloft a box of monster donuts. I couldn't help feeling sad. I knew Tyson would have had an awesome time under the ocean, but I'd miss everything about him. His fascination with horses, the way he could fix chariots or crumple metal with his bare hands, or tie bad guys into knots. I'd even miss him snoring like an earthquake in the bunk all night. Hey, Percy, I turned. Annabeth and Grover were standing at the top of the sand dune. I guess maybe I had some sand in my eyes because I was blinking a lot. Tyson, I told them. He had to, we know, Annabeth said softly. Chiron told us. Cyclops forges, Grover shuddered. I hear the cafeteria food there is terrible, like no enchiladas at all. Annabeth held out her hand. Come on, seaweed brain. It's time for dinner. We walked back towards the dining pavilion together. Just the three of us. Like old times. A storm raged that night, but parted around Camp Half-Blood, as storms usually did. Lightning flashed against the horizon, waves pounded the shore, but not a drop fell in our valley. We were protected again, thanks to the fleece, sealed inside our magical borders. Still, my dreams are restless. I heard Kronos taunting me from the depths of Tartarus. Polyphemus sits blindly in his cave, young hero, believing he has won a great victory. Are you any less deluded? The titan's cold laughter filled the darkness. Then my dream changed. I was following Tyson to the bottom of the sea, into the core of Poseidon. It was radiant halls filled with blue light, the forest floors cobbled with pearls. And there, on the throne of coral, sat my father, dressed like a simple fisherman in khaki shorts and a sun-bleached t-shirt. I looked up into his tan-weathered face, his deep green eyes, and he spoke two words. Brace yourself. I woke with a start. There was a banging on my door. Grover flew inside without waiting for permission. Percy, he stammered. Annabeth, on the hill, she... The look in his eyes told me something was terribly wrong. Annabeth had been on guard duty that night, protecting the fleece. If something had happened... I ripped off my covers, my blood like ice 
water in my veins. I threw on some clothes while Grover tried to make a complete sentence, but he was too stunned, too out of breath. She's lying there, just, just lying there. I ran outside and raced across the central yard, Grover right behind me. Dawn was just breaking, but the whole camp seemed to be stirring. Word was spreading. Something huge had happened. A few campers were already making their way towards the hill. Satyrs and nymphs and heroes in a weird mix of armors and pajamas. I heard the clops of horse hooves and Chiron galloped up behind us, looking grim. Is it true? He asked Grover. Grover could only nod. His expressions dazed. I tried to ask what was going on, but Chiron grabbed me by the arm and effortlessly lifted me onto his back. Together, we thundered up Half-Blood Hill, where a small crowd had started to gather. I expected to see the fleece missing from the pine tree, but it was still there, glittering in the first light of dawn. The storm had broken, and the sky was blood red. Curse the Titan Lord, Chiron said. He tricked us again, giving himself another chance to control the prophecy. What do you mean? I said. The fleece, he said. The fleece did its work too well. We galloped forward, everyone moving out of our way. There, at the base of the tree, a girl was lying unconscious. Another girl in Greek armor was kneeling next to her. Blood roared in my ears. I couldn't think straight. Annabeth had been attacked? But why was the fleece still here? The tree itself looked pretty fine, whole and healthy. It's diffused with the essence of the golden fleece. It healed the tree, Chiron said, his voice ragged. And poison was not the only thing it purged. Then I realized Annabeth wasn't the one laying unconscious on the ground. She was the one in armor, kneeling next to the unconscious girl. When Annabeth saw us, she ran to Chiron. It, she, just suddenly there. Her eyes were streaming with tears, but I didn't understand. I was too freaked out to make sense of it all. I leapt off Chiron's back and ran towards the unconscious girl. Chiron said, Percy, wait. I knelt by her side. She had short black hair and freckles across her nose. She was built like a long-distance runner, lethal and strong. She wore clothes that were somewhere between punk and a goth. A black t-shirt, black tattered jeans, and a leather jacket with buttons from a bunch of bands I'd never heard of. She wasn't a camper. I didn't recognize her from any of the cabins. And yet, I had the strangest feeling that I'd seen her before. It's true, Grover said, panting from his ram up the hill. I, I can't believe it. Nobody else came close to the girl. I put my hand on her forehead. Her skin was cold, but my fingertips tingled as if they were burning. She needs nectar and ambrosia, I said. She was clearly half-blood, whether or not she was a camper or not. I could sense that from just one touch. I didn't understand why everyone was acting so scared. I took her shoulders and lifted her into a sitting position, resting her head on my shoulder. Come on, I yelled to the others. What is wrong with you people? Let's get her to the big house. No one moved, not even Chiron. They were all too stunned. Then the girl took a shaky breath. She coughed and opened her eyes. Her irises were startling blue, electric blue. The girl stared at me in bewilderment, shivering in wild eyes. Who? I'm Percy, I said. You're safe now. Strangest dream. It's okay. D dying. No, I assured her. You're okay. What's your name? That's what I knew, even before she said it. The girl's blue eyes stared into mine, and I understood what the Golden Fleece quest had been about. The poisoning of the tree, everything. Cronus had done it to bring another chess piece into play, another chance to control the prophecy. Even Chiron, Annabeth, and Grover, who should have been celebrating this moment, were too shocked, thinking about what this might mean for the future. And I was holding someone who was destined to be my best friend, or possibly my worst enemy. I'm Talia, the girl said, daughter of Zeus.